Hey everybody, this is actor-musician Scott Schiaffo, best known to you indie film fans as the Chewy's Gum Guy from Kevin Smith's Clerks. You're listening to Talking Codswallop. Welcome to this week's Talking Codswallop. I am Gemma. I'm James. I'm Andy. And with us today, we have got a very special guest who is from Clerks, Scott Schiaffo. Is it Schiaffo? Schiaffo, Scott Schiaffo. Schiaffo, sorry. Okay, because do you know what? It's so funny, actually, because I've been practicing saying your name. (laughs) And obviously I've been practicing it wrong. (laughs) No, we're good. Thank you ever so much for joining us. Sure. Yeah. This is very cool. Thank you, Scott. (laughs) Usually what we do is we start the episode with a little bit of what we call what a load of codswallop. What a load of codswallop. Before we start, do you know what codswallop means? Uh, You know, I did my homework. I did look it up and uh, I completely forgot. No, (laughs) (laughs) it's not nonsense, but it's kind of whimsical, could be nonsense, could be... Just a bunch okay. of whatever, right? Something to that effect? Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, pretty much. It's either the PG version is rubbish okay. or the X-rated version is shit. So, <laughs> yeah, we, we like to talk a load of shit on this department, <laughs> on this uh, podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's fine by me. Well, you, yeah. yeah, you could call it flannel as well if you're trying to be uh, U-rated. It's flannel. <laughs> <laughs> James, have you got any cod's wallop this week? I've actually survived the week pretty, so far pretty well intact, so I've actually done all right. I've nothing too uh, balmy or horrendous to discuss, so the, the pressure's on you two, I'm afraid, and Scott. <laughs> <laughs> well, I definitely have got some this week, which it happened today, so it's basically for you, Scott, more than anything. I'm actually a diabetic, type 2, so I'm the kind that caused it for myself. But when I was at work today... There was like a load of cake that was going around the office. And obviously I turned, you know, not obviously, but I turned it down because I said, no, mm. you know, I'm, well, I'm diabetic. I can't have it, you know, kind of mm. thing. A couple of people in the office were like, oh, right. So when you choose to be diabetic, you're diabetic. Ooh. What? <laughs> oh, boy, that's not nice. No, yeah. it really upset me. Oh, I hope they showed them the back of your hand. <laughs> I think that they were trying to be funny and jokey. But I took it very, very badly. So no, I didn't slap her, but I went extremely quiet. And I'm mm. a bouncy, bubbly person, which I know I'm starting the episode off on a complaint. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> I am fun, really. But at the same time, you know, like, I literally just went stonewall quiet. And they knew that they'd upset me. Oh. But it was just... I thought it was disgusting. You know, it's like they turned around and they said, oh, well, I've just put one sugar in your cup of tea. And I was like, yeah... Because I asked, I did ask for one, you know, like mm. I asked for a cup of tea with one sugar. But the equivalent of having a big, sl- massive slice of cake, which mm. is full of sugar, sure. you know, you know, it just really pissed me off. Well, from mm, from their standpoint, I'd be pretty concerned that I've actually done that with you because someone's done that. Because if you wanted to raise that with HR, you'd probably well within your rights to do it, actually. I mean, I wouldn't. Tread carefully, is what they'll be thinking to themselves. If mm. you tread. You know, trodden a lot more carefully. <laughs> yeah. So, 
but oh god i mean i've calmed down an awful lot now um because it's been like a couple hours gone by but at the time i was just i was absolutely livid but i go quiet when i'm livid you know yeah oh that's um that's a tough call too i mean like you were saying uh, maybe you're not sure if the intent was to try to break it up or for levity but it came out kind of Curse. Yeah. So yeah. So that's that's my cod's wallet for the week. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I just feel I feel like you know it's like I I was so annoyed by it when it was like going around in my head and I was like, is it appropriate? Because I actually said to the guys, "Sorry, I haven't introduced Andy and James to you, Scott. Sorry." You were that hacked off. Yeah, she was that <laughs> angry. <laughs> Andy is the one who is running, and James is the one who's pouting at you. <laughs> yeah, mouldering. Yeah, I'm pouting right now, but nobody can see it. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? Um, oh, Ben Stiller, uh, Zoolander pub. Yeah, uh, that called? Oh, uh, blue, blue steel. steel. Yeah, blue steel. Yeah, your best blue steel. Oh no, I'm already getting the. CPU is hot warning. Oh, no. Is your fan blocked on the laptop? I wonder if I cut the video, if it would be better. It might be, because sometimes it affects audio when we're recording, so... It just make, maybe it'll make it hotter. Maybe it won't be as... Yeah, it's using up too much system resources. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, I didn't have any time to address this. I had got... I was away... Uh, in New Orleans, nice. I got back and things got nuts and I didn't have time to check it out. And it, it did it once and then it stopped doing it. And now it's just doing it more and more. Mm. So now I got a bummer. I'm sorry. My my computer's uh, giving me a, a hard time and possibly going to overeat. That's your cultural moment. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Technology. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, Andy works in IT, so he can see if he can try and... He can guide a bit. I think that maybe now that I've minimized a few things, the warning went away. Hopefully it'll be okay. So the best thing to do is just basically kill any applications you don't need running right now, and that'll just reduce the burden on the processor. Right, absolutely. That's what's happening. That's what I'm doing. Yeah. So you just go to task. I'm not sure if you're running Windows or on Mac, but yeah, you just basically go to the task manager and <clears> just end <throat> all the processes. Gotcha. Yeah, no, I'm pretty. I, I'm fairly tech savvy. Oh, cool. I actually built both of the machines in the studio. From oh, the wow. Wow. Yeah, but um, it's funny. If you really don't keep up with that stuff after a while, you, it's it really goes. And, uh, you know, Windows 7 Pro 64-bit, I built two really killer machines for the studio like three years ago. And now that might as well be like a lifetime ago. Yeah, they might as well be the Amstrads. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I only mentioned um, that Andy's IRIT guru because both James and I are useless when it comes to IT. So I, that was my bad for making an assumption that everybody in the world is bad at IT apart from Andy. <laughs> yeah. I'm the world's IT manager. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you are our tech support. Yeah. Is Windows? Windows prevalent there too, like it is pretty much here. I mean, I mean, Mac is fairly popular as well, but I mean, for the most part, it's primarily a PC uh, environment in most of the U.S. Except for the higher end studios and the Apple people. What are you guys using? I'm using Windows 
10, yeah. I think it is. Yeah, Definitely so Windows. Predominantly, it's Windows. And then you've got, obviously, the creatives use the, the Macs. And mm. then you've got the, um, what I call the fanboys who love all things Apple and don't know any better, uh, who, <laughs> who are not creatives. <laughs> but it's shiny. We yeah. like it. Like Apple snobs. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> One of my favorite um, websites uh, refer to the iPhone as the Jesus phone. <laughs> Oh no, I've got an iPhone. Well, I'm, uh, yeah, I'm uh, fully you're PC. You're dead to me now, Gemma. Yeah, I'm fully PC. <laughs> and certainly, looking at us sort of nationally, if it's anything that's a government-run business, everything is PC-related there. You'd but do you know why that is? Because they've got Dell, haven't they, as their uh, preferred supplier. Yeah, because Apple refused to um, supply the enterprise well because they don't want to get drawn into support agreements. Ah, right. Ice. Yeah, so I had big issues with uh, Apple at work because VPs wanted to use it and we had to keep saying no because they won't They won't support you. Mm. I mean, that's oh. interesting where I used to work. They, all the sort of senior staff were allowed to have uh, Apple iPad things, but mm. everybody else was stuck using buggered up old... Because uh... heaven forbid that people lead by example. Oh, God, no. That's certainly not yeah. like that where I used to work. But anyway, we're going yeah. on to... That's my codswallet for another <laughs> yeah. day. Yeah, that fact, we codswallet me perfectly on that one. But <laughs> my codswallet for this week, um, having just done four flights uh, since last Wednesday, mm-hmm. is business travellers. And I am a business traveller, but I'm a respectful business traveller. Okay, go on. I'm intrigued, Andy. What's uh, a non-respectful business traveller? It's... They... They come on because they've they've got to rush off the plane on the other end and they take half of their luggage and they just distribute it amongst all the overheads, leaving us mere mortals struggling for space. Because they're allowed to board first because they've paid business class flights for a 45-minute flight. Mm. So they've got their entire household luggage <laughs> just plastered up and down the plane. And then the flight's delayed because people are struggling to get the stuff in the overheads. <laughs> and then yeah, they have the temerity cool. to then get up on when we're on the stand and then just barge through the queue to go and pull their luggage from aisles 26 at the back of the plane. When I, next I, speak, was... to, when I next speak to my old man, I'll see if he does this, but I don't think he does when he's travelling. So. I think that there's two class of business travellers. There's the respectful one and then there's everyone else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that I'm so important. I didn't actually realise that they did that with business class, to be completely honest. Um, because I just thought it was complete. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> I thought that it was just like a completely different section. So, no, so like- on, on the short haul flights, basically the, the boarding order is business class, then the membership for the airline mm-hmm. and anyone else with priority boarding. So generally the business class rows are about eight rows maximum generally. Maybe with depending the, on, if with the, the curtain separating the two, surely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, of course, they get on first. They they load all their stuff into the bins. They run out of space because generally there's not enough space in the bins for three seats. You know, yeah. one mm-hmm. for each aisle. So, of course, you know, with with their laptop bags, with their three day travel suitcases, plus all their duty free for their mistresses. And their kids, you know. <laughs> I'm sensing a lot of anger and bitterness here, Andy. Yeah, because you know, because people tarnish me with the same same brushes. Like when I walk on in my suit, and I'm like, no, no, I'm respectful. I checked my luggage in. I've just got my little laptop bag that will go underneath the seat. <laughs> 
Well, that's good. That's good. Well, I feel I feel better that we vented now anyway. So mm. I hope um, I hope we all do feel better now. I personally feel like we should definitely get on to speaking to our wonderful guests now because you're you're sat there patiently waiting with your overheating computer. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Listening to me moan about somebody offering me cake and um, Andy, Andy and his business class issues, um, which I was travelling both... coach. I'd like to add. <laughs> yeah, hey, I was... <laughs> actually, I, I can uh, I can relate to to both of those things. Uh, whether it's uh, what happened to you with the cake, or uh, I'm not, I don't, I don't love travelling, and I've only done a lot of travelling in the last six or eight years thanks to the <clears throat> excuse me the convention circuit mm-hmm. uh, before that i flew i didn't even fly believe it or not i didn't fly until well into my middle age wow. so i'm not the biggest fan of uh of the travel i can't imagine having you, you you're on planes pretty frequently huh uh, i used to be um and then it kind of calmed down, but recently I've been traveling a bit more. Yeah. I used to do a lot of long haul flights um, between sort of 2006 and 2013. I used to spend six weeks at a time overseas, either in uh, Asia, America, Central America, or Europe. Coming up for me, this is a big, uh, kind of a big deal to me. I've never flown outside of the USA, and now uh, we're coming over to see yes. you guys in London next month. And uh, I'm I'm nervous because I like I said I'm not great with the flying and I have my own health issues. So we're popping your uh, long haul cherry. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> and um, you know, I, growing up, I was uh, a huge fan of the English invasion, as they call it. I guess the Beatles, yeah, yeah. everybody. <clears throat> you know, because I'm a musician. As well as an actor, I've been a musician mm-hmm. actually longer than I've been an actor mm-hmm. since I'm a child. But um, again, not the biggest fan of flying, and you know, I'm, I'm already building up anxiety over it. It's a month away. Bless. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I think what you need to do is just take a few um, sleeping tablets, and before you know it, you'll be in yeah. the UK. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> gliding probably gliding over my office as you come into land so just give me a wave yeah. <laughs> oh that's the time to go to the toilet scott yeah. <laughs> drop a nice bit of blue ice on me mm. <laughs> um so with regards to you just said that you've been to new orleans i'm not going to pry too much because um i'm guessing were you there for the new film with kevin smith yeah you know it's we've been playing, i know you can't yeah, yeah oh, sorry. I, know, I know we're not um i mean it's not to the point with with my crowd that there were any ndas per se that were signed that given away anything so big or whatnot but he has pretty much um, hinted or given away a lot of the different people who are doing cameos. So they were trying to rein it in. Um, All I can say is you just never know what could happen in the viewers universe, you know, Um, (laughs) we're there to celebrate the fact that he's doing the reboot. And I had, uh, it was, it was great to, to, to see new Orleans, but much more than that, you know, we can't, really talk too much about but can you can yeah. you say how much fun i mean was it great to be back with all all the people who were 
who were there, or who you worked yeah, with before. You know, it's really, I feel very fortunate that because the first movie has such a hardcore following. Yeah. Yes. That um, I do get to see Brian O'Halloran a good handful of times throughout the year. Marilyn Gigliotti, not as much as I'd like because she's uh, West Coast. She's out in L.A. and Brian and I are East Coast guys. <clears throat> but I do get to see those guys, you know, uh, throughout the year at the conventions. And that's been a real blessing because it's kind of, you know, you could not foresee this kind of thing certainly 25 years ago. But, um, it, you know, there is a unspoken sort of bond and family feel to it. And yeah. I guess it must be one of those experiences where you, you probably just, like you said, you know, there's, after all these years, you sort of look at it. You think, wow, look, you know, look what it's become. Look where it's, I mean, I know you can't go into detail, but look where it's started out and what it's now become and where we are. And that must be quite a brilliant thing to know you've been part of it to be able to sort of like behold all of it as well. Yeah. You know, it's, um, in all honesty for me, uh, at the time that I auditioned for the film, I was a little older than the rest of those guys. I was approaching 30 and they were all still in their early twenties, but I was giving, uh, character acting a full-on go at that point and that was one of the first things I auditioned for mm -hmm. but you know I I kind of uh, had always sort of dreamt of a uh, a career as a character actor and to be in a in a B film or an indie film or a cult film and to play a character that maybe wasn't a lead but was mm -hmm. memorable in some way so definitely was you know yeah. <laughs> it really, really, I mean, with with Kevin's dreams, Kevin's dreams came true with that film. But we all were blessed to go along for the ride. And uh, it's just been a real amazing thing to to see uh, two over two decades worth of fans. And now you're getting the next generation. You know, we, we see people. <clears throat> Once their kids become teens, they show them the film, you know, and it's yeah. pretty bizarre. Yeah. It's, it's really wonderful. Yeah. And, and going back to the, the character acting, is it true uh, that when before you auditioned, you got there early and you were arrested for people thinking you were some kind of crazy guy on the broadwalk? Yeah, that's why well, I, 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 <laughs> I didn't get arrested, thankfully, but uh, uh, there was a little scene. It, it was really just the whole thing was a big mistake that we were the theater was out right alongside the jersey shore it was a short town called atlantic highlands and i got there really early which i always did back then i was one of these stickler guys i'd rather be an hour early than five minutes late mm. so i was super early and because uh, it was a long ride for me I, I came from way up northern new jersey and they were all down the jersey shore so I and it was off season and I happened out on a jetty and I was rehearsing and just going through my machinations and from the shore it must have looked like you know there was a lunatic out on the jetty <laughs> and they thought I was either maybe loaded or possibly you know gonna hurt myself or do something crazy but certainly by, you know when I came in and I explained to them uh you know, I'm, 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 I'm just going to be auditioning right up the block here. Uh, if you're going to arrest me, can you arrest me after the audition, please? 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I've got a script and everything. Yeah. Just so I was fine. You know, there was no problem, but it was a pretty wild story. And I didn't really get to share that story for a lot of years because back then, I didn't want to call any kind of weird negative attention to myself. Yeah, that's understood. <laughs> you know, um, since then. Did you did you actually know Kevin before you went for the role, or because uh, I know that a lot of he put a lot of friends and sort of family and whatnot into into the show. So were you one of his friends beforehand, or were you actually um, auditioning for it? Sorry if that's um, a common knowledge, but I just didn't know. So no, no. Listen, this. Uh... All the questions are good questions. I, I, you ask away. Don't, don't feel, don't okay, feel yourself. I'm fine with anything. Um, well, it's actually, it actually still is somewhat of a misconception that uh, yes, he did cast a lot of friends and family in the film, but yes, he also held auditions. And you know, Brian played Dante. Uh, Brian O'Halloran, Marilyn Gigliotti plays Veronica. Lisa Spoonhour, who played Caitlin, and myself, we're all strangers to Kevin. We didn't know mm -hmm. Kevin. We just auditioned, period. So, oh, okay. yeah, and we, you know, we kind of got, you know, I got friendly with him the first year after the film was done. Because, again, we, I did not live in their area. I came from, I'm like 10 minutes just outside of New York City, and they're down the okay. Jersey Shore down south. So, you know, we weren't close by, but we became kind of telephone buddies that first year, Kevin and I. But no, I I was a complete stranger who was just answering an ad. Oh, awesome. It's always interesting. Like I love the behind the scenes, you know, the, the how things actually happened with a film and things like that. So yeah, I find this all very fascinating. Thank you. Oh, you got it. Uh, it's And again, to this day, a lot of people do. Uh, the myth is that it was all friends and family. But the truth is, the, the lead actors were all people who did not know Kevin and just auditioned. And myself, I wasn't one of the lead actors, but again, I, I saw an ad, so very, very, very happy. I saw the ad and I made the hour and a half journey down there to audition. But, uh, you know, you showed up, you did a, you did a prepared monologue. None of us read from the script from that in that first audition. And if they liked you and felt you might have been good for something, then they called you back to read from the actual script. All oh, right. What would you say is the most challenging part for you for, for acting? Uh, the most challenging. And most rewarding. Rewarding. Oh, gosh. I think I the way I approach it is and I, and I I really respect theater and stage and the folks who 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 put a lot of energy in that. But the theater was never really my thing. I love film. I really love film, the medium of film and the power of film. Um, so for me, <clears throat> I want to, <clears throat> excuse me, I want, I really get gratification when I know the director is very happy with what I'm doing, even if I don't see it or agree with it per se, because, you know, it is a collaborative medium. And for me, if I don't trust in the director's vision, and I and I don't go with that, <clears throat> then I'm not part of the I'm part of a problem and not part of his solution, so to speak. Yeah. And Kevin, <clears throat> Kevin was very, very happy with what I was doing pretty much from the beginning. And we shot it like three or four times and it was shot straight through because there really aren't a lot of edits because he didn't have the budget 
to shoot a lot of what they call coverage. Uh, the back then, I mean, we were shooting film. There was no digital, no cell phones, no computer editing, no internet. I mean, you're going back to a time that was very different than now. So to shoot, you had to shoot film and film was expensive, even black and white. So he really had to try to get the best takes uh, quickly and expediently and without a lot of chances to do it over again. So the gum guy thing and most of the film is almost shot like a play. Yeah. So I, he was very happy with it. And by the end of it, you know, I, I was really practically lost my voice from all the yelling and <laughs> <laughs> but it was wonderful. It really, you know, it was exciting, you know, and it, it it's still to this day a source of great joy and excitement because the movie really resonates with people. Sure yeah, and, does. yeah, and you were saying about obviously the fact that, you know, obviously your character is a big part of it. You know, like it's not a main character, but it's a memorable character. But it's also like the same as um, like Walt Flanagan's characters as well, because he played multiple ones. But, you know, the one that stands out for me is Eggman. Yeah. He sat on the floor <laughs> <laughs> checking the eggs. <laughs> right. it's, um, yeah. You know, I, I always say over the years, whenever I uh, discuss it or if I'm asked, um I mean, sure, would I have been elated to have gotten one of the lead roles? Of course. But yeah. if you were a character actor and you didn't get one of the leads, certainly the Chulies Gum Guy was one of the cherry exactly. roles to have because it really yeah. Yeah. it was written to be bombastic <laughs> and to really stand out. That was the whole point of that scene was to start the movie off with something really insane so that people knew they were in for a really crazy ride. Well, it grabs yeah. your attention, doesn't it? And it is a really memorable standout part. But, you know, okay, as you've said, maybe it's not this, you know, the, the, a massive leading role, but it's one that no one forgets. You know, it, it really does stick in your mind. It's, um, again, like I say, I feel really fortunate and blessed that he saw me for that role because of the nature of it is really, it, it's, it was it was manicured to really stand out. Like an actor would have had to have been in a coma not to stand out. <laughs> yes, <laughs> definitely. And, and did your role in, in Clerks lead to um, your role in Volga, or was that a happy accident? Yeah, actually, yes and no. It's a funny kind of a weird story. Uh, I got the script for Volga uh, long before it was actually shot. And Brian Johnson, who um, I'm sure you guys are aware of, one of the comic book yeah. men who he's the real life. Uh, he's the real life inspiration for the Randall character. Yeah, uh, we know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I tell him Steve, Dave. Yeah. He he had sent the script uh, to me and uh, he said, hey, I, I'm, I'm thinking of you. What do you think of the, this Travis Lee character? I'm thinking of you for that. And for me, after working with Kevin and uh, having the experience I had uh, working on Clerks and, you know, watching him grow and being excited to have been a part of it, I didn't really need much else. I mean, if they asked and it was something they thought they wanted me for, you know, I pretty much would say yes without even having to read anything. But 
you know, it turns out that the film didn't get shot for quite a while after he sent me the script. <laughs> True Brian Johnson fashion. <laughs> right. Well, a lot yeah. was going on in Kevin's life at that point, too, because what had happened was after Clerks, they did Mallrats. And I mean, we all, most of us, we all love Mallrats. I, I loved it from the beginning. But initially, back in the time when it was released theatrically, it did not really go over that well. And until it found an audience with home video, initially, it was almost looked at like a misstep for him. Yeah. And even he was going around early on, uh, almost apologizing for it or making excuses, which was silly because it really is a wonderful film. It just yeah. didn't find its audience in the theater at the time is all. But yeah. um, he then sort of made his independent uh, credibility. He kind of won it back with Chasing Amy in spades because that film is a lot more... To, to me, Clerks is a film. Mallrats is a movie. Chasing Amy is a film. Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back is a movie. Yeah. And what I mean by that is there's a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a sort of aesthetic about them where... You know, you could feel the indiness of certain things. And then there's a little more of a, say, almost like a Hollywood polish on other things. Yeah. 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 Commercial aspects. Right. Right. And Mallrats was sort of uh, manicured to be much more of a uh, Hollywood-esque comedy. And I think people felt he missed the mark, which he really didn't. I mean, when, you know. He didn't at all. I'm super partial, obviously. But, I mean. I loved it from the beginning, and I thought Jason Lee was the greatest thing since sliced bread. And, uh, you know, the fact that it got met with so much um, negative sort of critical response. And I think it, you know, back then, if you didn't make it into theaters quickly, you were dead pretty quickly. And because there really was, I mean, there was direct to video. There really wasn't direct to video. Yeah. Something would come out and then it would hit the video. And over time, it found its audience. But again, I'm I'm going on and on here. So no, that's okay. You carry on. All this is happening while they're thinking about producing Vulgar. So Mulrats happens, and then there's a little bit of a lull, and then Chasing Amy happens, and it really kind of causes a resurgence for Kevin, which was well deserved. And he won the Indie Spirit Award for the script. Ben Affleck was getting tons of notice, and uh, so now he's back a little bit more with the indie cred. So long story short, over all that time, I think the budget for Vulgar may have changed and they went a different route and they actually held uh, a pretty big casting, which I was unaware of. I had kind of fallen out of contact after a few years, uh, nothing intentional, but just as time went on, uh, I wasn't as in close contact with those guys. So they had cast most of Vulgar uh, right up until almost the time they shot. And a couple of weeks before shooting was going to begin, it turned out, lucky for me, Brian Johnson was not very happy with who they picked to play Travis Lee. I, this is what I've heard through um, some talk at the time, I never really sat. The grapevines, so to speak. Right. Yeah. All reliable source, 
but it wasn't Brian Johnson and I sitting down and talking this out one-on-one. I heard they had gotten a stage guy that they weren't happy with. And Brian called me up. He said, Hey man, vulgar. Do you want, you still interested? You want to do Travis? And I shot down there and I read for him and he was happy. And then I did it and I was excited and super happy to go head to head with O'Halloran once again. And again, another role that was written to really kind of stand out and be bombastic. So I was super blessed, but it kind of felt like I had the role. Then somewhere in there lost it along the way. Then luckily for me, he got it back again. Yeah. It's definitely a happy accident. Yeah, Yeah, very much so. Um, And again, I I never discussed it in any kind of detail with Brian Johnson. Uh, We... I I did speak with him not long ago because he was kicking around an idea for a vulgar sequel. And at that point, like uh, this is two or three years ago, the Travis Lee character was going to be part of the sequel. But I haven't heard anything about that now for quite a while. I think that's something he kind of put on the shelf again. Yeah, I I speak to Brian Johnson at um he came over to Edinburgh um Comic-Con. It was about 2 years ago and I was speaking to him about whether Volga 2 was actually going to become a thing and he said that he was in the works of of writing it and things, but yeah, I guess I guess at the moment it like you said it has been put on the back burner for the moment, but yeah, hopefully, I know that, you know, a lot of people really want that film, you know, a, se- a sequel to come out of that film. Well, I'll tell you, it's, it's, it, he wrote, he had a, he had a, a treatment, a pretty much a full blown uh, treatment for the sequel. And this is about two years ago. So I, you might have been in the same time frame that you spoke to him or not. I don't know. We did Lexington, Kentucky. Uh, we did a big Comic Con in Lexington, Kentucky, 2000, it was either 2016 or 2017. It might have been 2017. Um, and that's when we were speaking about it. And he had a treatment. But what had happened not long after that, I'm going to say maybe a couple of months after that, he was speaking with Brian O'Halloran, who I speak to more frequently. And apparently he scrapped a good deal of that first treatment and he kind of rewrote a very different second treatment. So I don't know if Travis Lee figures in to this newest treatment or not. I know. Let's keep our fingers crossed. Yeah, I was going to say fingers crossed. Yeah. Oh, well, it would be great. But, you know, it's all good either way. And I, um, Originally, without saying much, there was going to be almost like a a vigilante type of thing going on with Vulgar the Clown. That was the initial idea for the for the sequel, where I think he was sort of becoming a vigilante, uh, a rogue vigilante to uh, sort of chase down bad guys. Uh, with a bunch of buddies who I think all were also dressed as clowns. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. You know, this is, I don't want to, you know, I, I don't know where it stands now, but you know, Brian Johnson is, uh, he's, he's really quite, quite something. something. <laughs> yeah, very, very, 
very, very sharp mind. Uh, mm. You know, I, I. Yeah. All three, all three of us actually listened to Tell and Steve Days. So we, we pretty much, I mean, for, obviously, for we only. Yeah, we only know the Brian Johnson that he reveals on the podcast, you know, but obviously there may be a different side to him, but we're very, um, very familiar to what he's like. So don't worry. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, I, um, I don't know where that might stand now. And I'm going to be doing this weekend, Brian O'Halloran and Ernie O'Donnell, who played Rick Derrison, who's also in a number of other Kevin films, Ernie O'Donnell, the three of us are doing a convention up in upstate New York. And uh, I might ask Brian if he's heard anything from Brian Johnson about where the vulgar sequel may or may not stand, um, because obviously Brian's the lead. Yeah. So we'll see. I don't know. I mean, again, I it's up there on the IMDb, and he gave me his blessing to include myself in the cast of the imdb listing of the vulgar sequel but it's also up on the imdb i think just as a it might be as a script or treatment you know it's in a very real raw pre-production phase mm, it was yeah. interesting it was very interesting uh scott what you were saying about the the thing and you see this a lot with some really wonderful films where they initially don't hit you know you know they don't hit pay dirt in their initial release, say the cinema sense, but they they get a wonderful cult following when they go to VHS, and that's where you sort of see that you know films leading to sequels, but they've really exploded in something bigger, and it's sort of like it's brilliant to see that's what happened, uh, you know, for uh, uh, with Mallrats for, for Kevin uh, that it did become this much bigger thing uh, than initially than the people initially sort of thought it would be. Um, and he was saying, I think, sort of the same thing happened for him with Tusk, that it, it didn't do so well initially, but it's, it's grown through the home video market. Um, I think it's also, that's also grown through his podcast as well, yes. because yeah. that yeah. was very, that was the origins, wasn't it, of Tusk? Yeah, yeah. I also I also think that quite often because Kevin is well he seems to be quite hard on himself um, with you know like obviously it's horrible when you get negative reviews about things of course um, and you know he's, he seems to me sorry I, I don't want to say that he is a sensitive person and things like that you know that's how the, he comes across as and I'm sure that that is how he is um, but you know because I don't know him if you know what I mean so I don't want right. to say oh yeah Kevin is so this that <laughs> but it's like films like Jersey Girl as well. That film to me is the best film that one of the best films that he's brought out. I love that film so much, even to the point that the little girl, um, I actually met the little girl in New York a couple of years back, about three years ago. And obviously she's like 21 now. Yeah. Um, I'm, I feel terrible. That I can't remember her name, but you know, it was, she looked exactly the same. She was really short, but obviously she was a grown up, you know, <laughs> but it was, it was so magical, you know, like actually seeing the person in real life, you know, and yeah. I, yeah, I know he gets a bad rap for Jersey Girl and I love that film so much. That, well, again, yeah. uh, I, um, of course I'm super partial, of course, yeah. but I, I, I agree with what you're saying in terms of, you know, they, that 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 took a beating for things that were weren't really even his doing or control per se. Yeah. The whole 
Ben and Jennifer romance here in this country at the time, it was a fever pitch and they were on every uh, tabloid cover and they, you know, they were like really the, the it couple. And then there was a lot of backlash on that. You know, people get tired of the whole thing. By the time the film came out, people kind of took a negative spin on Ben and Jen. Yeah. Yeah. By the time the film came out, they might have already been done too. I remember how big their relationship was. Even it was visible here. Right. And um, so that something that really has nothing at all to do per se with the script, with the story, with the acting, with the actual film, but it affects the way people might perceive or view it. It, there's not much you could do about that. That's part of the game, I guess, uh, that I know Kevin has gotten to the point where he knows how to process all that and realize, uh, I think he learned early on, he does his best to make a film he really likes and believes in. And then just, you know, you hope it finds its audience and the people that, you know, he'll be the first one to tell you, it's not for everybody. Uh, I mean, yeah. even uh, so out of his entire, out of all of his films, Tusk is the one for me that I don't, I don't, um, it disturbed me to the point where I still am unsure how I really feel about it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I couldn't finish watching it, but. I, lo I uh, love Tusk, though. I really, really, I mean, I think it's a brilliant film. And there's some very emotional parts that sort of move you, uh, specifically the ending. But I can see how some people find it tough watching. I was intrigued because I, I heard the origins on the podcast. So, you know, I, I was intrigued. Mm -hmm. And uh, the same with Yoga Hoses. And then, you know, I'm, I'm waiting for Moose Shark, if that's ever going to come out. Moose Jaws. Moose yeah. Jaws, yeah. sorry, yeah. yeah. You know, but, you know, I think with Kevin, I get the impression that he suffers from a lot of industry snobbery. And he probably takes that to heart where actually he's got a fan base and, you know, yeah. without wishing to sound crude, he could shit on a napkin and everyone would <laughs> everyone would love it, you know. And it doesn't matter what the industry says because, you know, his films have, have paid for a wonderful life for himself, his opportunities for himself and his daughter and his family. So, you know, the, what the industry says, it, it clearly doesn't matter because he has been so successful in what he does, you know, and it's led on to bigger and better opportunities. He, um, so there's so many things that play into it that are timing related as well. And it's got a lot to do with technology and it's got a lot to do with, uh, his generation, which really is the, I was born sort of like the early, earliest Gen Xer and like a late baby boomer more or less. But I, I identify in the Gen X, um, generation but what happened was technology played such a big part in kevin's success because he was able to now cultivate the audience through this thing called the internet which in the early 90s was still in its infancy but he he hooked into it very early yeah and um as a result like you say uh with his films they do get to have a a life outside of theatrical release. And now we are in a time where theatrical release is probably 
it's 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 almost as if there's so many other channels streaming um there's so many other means that people are finding movies and watching movies uh now that uh sadly discs are dying but because of streaming and because of technology people find movies in different ways now so theatrical release it means something very different now than it did 10 20 years ago oh for sure you know, yeah it's, sorry <laughs> i think we're all talking at the same time because i don't think tusk was actually worldwide release was it It wasn't it wasn't the america there was a limited release in america and then we got it uh more through online and that's how i, I found it but yeah it was a real for me personally just to go on to tusk it was like a real big thing with me and a a very, uh, you know, hardcore group of Kevin uh, fans who I'm friends with are like, we, we found it, we can see it. And, yeah, it was quite a thing. But I agree on what you said. But the fact that there's this change in platform, I think that'll be even more helpful for Kevin to get his stuff out. And for, obviously, people starting out going into films, it'll be easier for them mm. to get stuff out. Right. Yeah, it's um, his career is a wonderful mix of a lot of things. And technology is a big part of it. and building a community online became a big part of it. Uh, years ago when discs were much more prevalent, uh, Hollywood used to be able to count on a certain amount of money at the box office and then a certain amount of money in discs. That whole thing fell apart now because that that's nothing like it was now because discs in the, I don't know about by you, but discs in this country, at least in all of the areas where there's broadband, Discs have all but died. They are dying out here. And that was a big revenue stream for Hollywood. So that changed how how Hollywood budgets uh, for film. And like with, with the reboot, you know, when he did Strike, Strike Back, Strike Back was a pretty big budgeted sort of extravagant Hollywood movie for him. <laughs> and uh, the reboot, you know, I... I can't get into dollars and cents because it wouldn't really be my place. Yeah. Because we're in a different world now, almost 15, 20 years later, it was like the budget's a fraction of what the original one was. So uh, it's, it's, I'm not even completely sure if he's going to do a, I don't know if he's going to do a Tusk or a Yoga Hosers type release with Reboot or if it'll get theatrical. I hope so. I think it's going to, get a theatrical release i i I hope so because it's exciting always to go and see it with an audience in the theater yeah absolutely i mean what in general what is the the market doing now with with the theaters i mean is it starting to to slowly die now that we have on demand and well i think what i the way i see things going or you've got your big uh tenplex you know popcorn movies your comic book Mm -hmm. movies your gazillion dollar extravagant big budget films that are still kind of like what you might call a date night movie or things of that nature and then there's not a lot of room for smaller films on a big screen unless it's a niche type theater that's sort of showcasing the smaller indie film in a theater like that becomes a little bit of a a boutique thing, so I you know it's it's hard to say. I mean, I saw Tusk in the theater, and 
you know, it was, I believe it was opening weekend. And there was, you know, there weren't, I mean, there was like maybe six people in there. Yeah, it's, it's shocking, isn't it? Because it's like, you know, you go from one film to the next, you know, you never know how many his audience are going to be or whatever, do you? But um, yeah, with regards to his audience, I think they're so, like uh, James mentioned earlier, I think, or Andy, I can't remember who, sorry. Um, but <laughs> it, it was like, <laughs> you both sound the same. No, you don't really. <laughs> One of the two men. <laughs> yeah, the other, yeah. <laughs> you blur into one. Um, <laughs> no, but it, basically it's like, you know, the audience is so, you know, the Kevin Smith audience is so passionate that if, because I, I don't think I, I don't think I've, I think I halfway through, I forgot to actually make my point earlier, that basically it's like when he is down, and down in the dumps and he does say about the fact that the you know the films like tusk aren't doing well and things like that it's almost like his audience then go right we're gonna love this film and we're gonna pick him up you (laughs) know because we love this guy so much that we want him to feel as happy and as loved as we feel towards him do you know what i mean so i think yeah definitely i'd agree with that and i think kevin's very blessed in the fact that he has I mean, obviously, he provides brilliant, brilliant um, films for people. His content is exceptional, but he's he's got a, he's very lucky to have such an intimate sort of setup with fan bases because you don't see that sort of um, reality. I don't think you see that sort of reaction for any you know any real sort of big big film filmmakers where they're not someone's going to go, well, we will rush out and we'll support this in quite mm, the same way. Kev I suppose has with it. like Tim Burton and things like that, they do though. Sure, I, there are, but but like you say, he a lot of that was cultivated online and continues to uh, build and grow uh, online through whether it's social media or uh, initially it was message boards in the website that got it going for Viewerskew that really brought people together. And um, Kevin has he made he made a joke about this years ago, doing his Q and A's. You might have heard it or not, but he said it's funny. But for him, Hollywood was a place where he went and he failed upward. Yeah, yeah. Even with failures, he was moving up. Yeah, which is always good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and again, timing was on his side because although mall rats like we were discussing uh did not do nearly what they thought or hoped at the box office when it was released over time it became a huge home video and rental and sold and huge audience and there's a lot of people that i speak to at the conventions that's their first kevin smith film Mm. and then they go back and see clerks like a lot of people somehow find him from mall rats first. Yeah, I think it depends like what age you are as well, doesn't it? Because it's like, you know, when when you're at school, like I think I, I can't actually remember. I think Mall Rats might have been my first um film that I'd watched by him, to be honest. Right. But I think that was probably because somebody at school had introduced me to it. And then, and then, like you said, I went back and I watched Clerks and I, I carried on, you know, up the trail sort of thing. I think that was the first one. But there's been so many years now, I really can't remember. Yeah. You know, that's the thing. Um, but yeah. <laughs> 
Sorry, I've got a cough today, so I'm trying to mute myself every time I'm coughing. So bear with me. <laughs> well, don't bear with me. Carry on, and then uh, um, I'll be back in a second. <laughs> I actually think that um, there's probably a, a probably, and this is just my guesstimation, that mm-hmm. the majority of the fan base today may not have been they they, they weren't they got on board later than clerks, whether it's mall rats yeah. or chasing Amy or uh I've yeah, met a lot Jay of people. Of Bob. I've met fo- I met folks at conventions who are huge clerks two fans and believe it or not, like because they're not really big film people, mm-hmm. I've heard this said more times than you would imagine. Oh, I've never watched the first one. Isn't it in black and white? Like, it's like, that's a bad thing. <laughs> it's like my niece, um, I actually introduced it to my niece uh, a few years back. So, well, she was 14 at the time. She's now, I don't know, she's 18 now. I'm going to take the I don't know part out <laughs> so that she doesn't think that I don't love her. Um, so I put the, put it on and left the room. And then when I came back, she was fiddling about with all the leads in the back of the DVD player because she thought that there was something loose because there was no colour. It was so funny. (laughs) (laughs) She was like, what's going on? There's no (laughs) colour. Well, I was just thinking, because we've like obviously spoken about uh, Kevin Smith quite a lot. And, you know, obviously that's your connection uh, to him. And, you know, it's fascinating all all that we've heard and everything. But I was just thinking, did you want to get onto sort of your musical side of things? And, you know, we'll get to know, get to know you as well. <laughs> uh, well, you know, yeah, we, I'd, I'd, I'd love to be able to share some things. I'm looking, unfortunately, I'm looking at the clock, though, and I think... Sometime okay. in the next 10 to 15 minutes, I do have to wrap up. I'm sorry. Okay. I'm sorry. You know. Oh, no, that's fine. Um, well, did you want to have a quick, did you want to have a quick game of the musical game that I put together? Or Yeah, well, or that's, with- yeah no, I, I, I appreciate uh, the, the time you guys have given me. I've enjoyed this talk very much. Yeah. I'm fine with whatever we want to do now. Um, yeah, go for it. Because I know you mentioned something about music. In, uh, in a message. Yeah. So basically, I'll run you through how this game works. So James and Andy are familiar because it's not the first time that they've played, but I will be nice to you and tell you the rules. Um, so basically, what I've done is all three of you, so James, Andy and yourself, Scott, I've asked for five different bands. So five, five of your favourite artists, basically. I've taken a clip of that music of each, you know, of a specific song and then reverse that song. And then you basically, when you listen to it, you have to kind of try and guess what that song and the artist is. Does that make sense? Or am I not explaining that very well? No, it makes perfect sense. You took a clip, you're playing it backwards. Yeah. Figure out who that is. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Now, so To prepare you, Scott, I will lose. <laughs> you will probably win. I will lose. I tell you, you know, I, I'm a musician since I'm a wee child. I mean, music's my first love and passion. But I, you know, I, I'm sure this is going to throw me too because I've, I've got middle aged brain now, and I don't, even, I don't even recall the five that I put on my list. <laughs> I don't, I don't remember mine. <laughs> 
<laughs> don't worry well i remember them all so i only did this yesterday so you know i have to say that you know quite a few of the artists that were uh, brought towards me like for all three of you some of them were like brand new and I was like oh these actually sound really good and then others I was like oh this is a blast from the past it really reminded me of stuff that I you know like I used to really enjoy and things so you know it was quite nice yesterday I was just sat here like at my computer just listening to all these different songs oh, um sweet. with regards to the game if you think you know the answer I'll pause the song so that you you can say your name at any point throughout the song. Um, and I'll pause it and then you say who you think it is. If you get it right, then perfect. You know, obviously move on to the next song. If you don't know who it is or you get the wrong answer, then it moves on to the next two people and you're kind of eliminated from that that game, if you know what I mean, that, that song. Okay, so now this is... We all get a shot at trying to name who's playing, or is it one at a time? You're all playing against each other. Yeah. So when you, if you think you know, say your name, give your answer. If you're wrong, then you're out for that song until the next one. Yeah, out for that song sounds a little bit nicer than eliminated, yeah. I have to admit. <laughs> Thank you, <laughs> I Andy, have been for in saying marketing. that. Yeah. <laughs> you should have, forget, yeah. we forget our own names, may God help us. <laughs> Okay, so I won't play all of them, but I will just pick a couple, just so, because obviously I know that you're short on time. So, uh, right, first one. Can you hear that? Yeah. Yeah, okay. James. Okay, uh, give me a second. James? That's Highway Tell, ACDC. It is. Well done, James. Oh, oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> this is so embarrassing. I'm a musician. I'm never I'm not gonna get a single one of these. Oh, you will. You will, don't you worry. This is a flint that I've got anything. So <laughs> Yeah, to be honest, it is. So um I'm actually just writing your, your names down now so that I can keep score. So James has got one. Right, so next song. James. Oh, was that Scott? Scott, were you saying something beforehand? Or I'm just guessing here. This is terrible. I, I, and I don't even know the song. I'm thinking I know the band, but okay. So, uh, so, uh, sorry, I I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure if you were saying your name or (laughs) because I know James was saying as well. So let Scott go. Let Len go. Okay. Okay, you go first then, Scott. I I thought it was a I thought it was the Beatles, but it is. It is yeah, the Beatles. All right, yeah. I'll never. I'll tell you now, I'm never going to get the song. Okay, James, did you this know the song? This is really a challenge. I think it's Hard Day's Night by the Beatles. It is. Yes. Wow. <laughs> James, you're so good at this game. I like it. <laughs> Sorry, James needs a bit of praise because normally, um, normally it isn't him that yeah. does very well. So, <laughs> yeah, woohoo, James! Yeah, th- this is cool. This is good. This is very unexpected. Did you feed him <laughs> notes, Gemma? No. no, not at all. No, no not we, at all. Well, even in the even in the past when she once tried to help me, I still lost. So. <laughs> yeah, you did. To be fair, <laughs> okay, right. Oh, 
Andy. Okay. Andy? I think that was Biohazard. It is. And do you want to have a hazard at the guess, uh, the name of the song? Oh, no. Because okay. the one I think it is, it's not. Okay, what one did you think it was? I thought it was Tales on the Hard Side. No, it isn't. It's Punishment. Ah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. No, it's interesting from an audio, I mean, an audio geek perspective. Even backwards, stylistically, you can hear... Band, but I'll tell you, forget it. The song, um, I, I can't imagine I'm going to catch uh, catch a song. But uh, and uh, to me, with my middle aged brain, like this, <laughs> this would be a challenge if you played them correctly. <laughs> Don't worry, some of these are a challenge for me as well. Don't worry. <laughs> I'm old. I'm old as salt. I'm not. <laughs> definitely about five years on you guys i'm sure of it no you're still you're still fantastic though so you know don't you worry (laughs) let's move on so that you know we'll just move on to a happier note Andy? Okay, sorry. Yep, Andy? Shed 7? No, it isn't. I'm sorry, what was the the guess? That was Shed... Oh, sorry, go on. Uh, I thought it was Shed 7. Okay, I'm not even even aware of them. Uh, It's an indie band from the 90s. Yeah. From the UK. Nor was I a Scot, so don't worry. (laughs) This is crazy hard. (laughs) Oh, sorry. James. Okay. James. That's David Bowie. It is David Bowie. Um, oh, boy. Life on Mars? It is Life on Mars. James, what the... Who are you today? <laughs> did you replace the clone? I think I did. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm 9778. <laughs> Sorry, uh, Scott, just so you know, it's a running joke that um, we change James once in a while. We clone him because, you know, like when he makes mistakes... We decide that we can't use that version yeah. of James anymore. We have to get rid of him and then clone him and make a new version that's better. <laughs> yeah, 9778 is doing very well this evening. So far, but so far, had, so good. But I did have a thought that that was something from the 70s. Yeah. <laughs> How are you doing on time, Scott? Uh, it's, it's kind of, I got a handful of more minutes. I had four okay. th- my time, by 4.30 my time, I'd have to wrap up my end here. 
Okay, so if I just skip through a couple of songs then. Right, on you thought you were getting away with it. The next song, okay? Oh. Okay, so Scott, listen up, you know? <laughs> hint. Right. Hint, hint. I'll just, I'll mute the other guys. This might be one of yours, Scott. Wink, <laughs> <laughs> wink. Why have I even named except for the Beatles? Oh, my God. All right. <laughs> okay. Are you ready? Yes. Okay. Andy. No. Sorry, Scott. Was that Scott? That was Scott. I'm doing it. I'm doing it. I'm blown away at how hard this is. Oh, okay. Uh, Okay, well, in that case, Andy? R.E.M., Happy Shiny People. It is, yes. Wow. (laughs) My God, how are you guys doing this? This is really blowing my brain to bits. I love it. but It's listen to the melody, because as you said earlier, the melody... It slightly alters, but you can you should be able to pick it up from the melody. Right. I'm actually, I'm, I'm trying, uh, if anything, I'm just trying to get vocal styling or like Beatle harmonies I heard pretty quickly. But yeah. uh, it's blown my mind how difficult this is. It's pretty cool. <laughs> oh, well, I'm ever, I am sorry. <laughs> no, no, hey, it's fun. But these guys are nailing it, so I'm obviously... Uh, but they've had it, practice as well, to be that's fair. True. That's so true. they've had they've had some practice, so that's true. so this isn't like a new thing. Yeah, right, duh. No. Yeah, absolutely. This is uh, at least James's fifth time and Andy's third time doing this. So yeah. yeah. Wow. They they are there. So this is your first time. So uh, you know, don't feel so bad. <laughs> <laughs> Here's me when you were asking for the list, I figured we're just gonna, you know, talk about these bands in some kind of way i had no idea we were gonna have this cool audio is going on <laughs> well <laughs> i like to i like to make sure there's a bit of a twist with games mm. so <laughs> when you come back you'll know for next time yeah you can spend hours and hours preparing yourself rehearsing <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> yeah next time listen to all the songs <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right okay scott this isn't another one of your songs okay uh, <laughs> wink, uh, wink. <laughs> <laughs> i'm really trying to help you here <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh some would say that i'm throwing you a, 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 bone. a stone a bone stick <laughs> You're gonna get it, don't you worry. James. No, no, Scott came first. I actually think I got that one without any help. Well, no, you tipped me off. That's Painted Black? It is Painted Black, yeah. By which band? Uh, The Stones. (laughs) That's funny. Backwards, that rhythm is very similar as it is. It is. Mm. 
Yeah, that's that is something that I um you know that I notice when I'm listening back to it that I think to myself well, that actually sounds very very similar to what right. you know how it is the other way around. <laughs> I don't think it's it's I don't think it's in three four. I don't know if it's a waltz, but that's a very distinctive rhythm. Forwards and backwards. Yeah, it's it's really good, isn't it? You know, it's like, you know, and almost like sometimes when I'm listening to the songs backwards, I'm almost waiting for the devil to make yeah. an appearance <laughs> and say something backwards, you know? Uh, so is that a top tip then from Scott that we should really be choosing punk bands if we want to be winning? <laughs> or you're obs- uh, well, not obscure because like me and you have got the same sort of taste of music, Andy. But yeah, you, like your songs are definitely different to, let's say, James's songs. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you, you first of all, straight away will identify the fact that it's one of yours because it's so, because like Andy likes heavy metal and that kind of genre, don't you? So Yeah, and rap and, and indie. Yeah. yeah. I guess maybe I have time for one more. Is that cool? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay. No problem. I will, I will play the last one then. Andy. Okay, Andy. Pigeon John. No, it isn't. Oh, <laughs> oh I think I know. Eminem. So James, Eminem. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. So who said? Because I couldn't hear. Ooh. Then who did actually say? Uh, who did say Eminem first? I think he. I think uh, I have to concede. I think I was after. I well, I, I knew it was definitely Eminem. Vocally, I could hear Eminem. Yeah. So, okay, in that case, uh, well done, James. Obviously, I'll give you a point. And um, do you know what the song is? Does it lose yourself? It is. Congratulations. And congratulations, James. You well and truly won this round. Uh, Thank you. I feel slightly uneasy, if I'm honest. (laughs) I'm scared what's going to happen next. (laughs) You won't be cloned this week. (laughs) But you have won this wonderful speedboat. Yeah. (laughs) And I'm going to play one forward song, okay, if that's all right. It's only literally like 30 seconds. Or actually, it might take us out with this song. So, yeah, it's... let me start again. I'll just give you your I'll give you your sto- scores a moment before we end. So we have got James. No, sorry, we've got Scott and Andy, who are neck and neck on three points each. So yeah. well done, guys. So there was no losers. There was just taking parts. Yes. First place losers. <laughs> yeah. And there was a definite winner this week, which was James with a grand total of seven points. Wow. Yay, well, well done, James. Outstanding. Oh, I couldn't be prouder of you, but I haven't got your audio yet, so you never know. It might be going down the toilet in a minute. <laughs> so, obviously, I just wanted to say a massive thank you to you, Scott, for, for coming on the show and chatting with us for this like last hour or so. It's been a true honour to speak to you. So, thank you ever so much. Thank That's you, lovely. Scott. Thank you. I appreciate your time, and I appreciate the fact that you guys embrace Kevin's world. It's it's wonderful. It's it really is a an interesting and strange universe. Yeah, <laughs> and I hope we can get you back on to talk about your music. Yeah, as well. yes. that will be. I'd really like that. I'm always looking to promote something. I got some films I'm working on now, and I'm going to yeah. over. You know, 
Next month, I'll be in London for a few days. I know. Do you know what? As we've been chatting, I probably shouldn't say this, but we've had rejection emails from the press. Uh, press. Um, so, you know, Scott, if, you, if you've if got any contacts and you know how yeah. to get the Talking Codswallop podcast on that, you know, please say. <laughs> if not, if not, you'll find us hanging around outside. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'll tell you, if I, if, if I do get a guest, you know, sometimes they allow us guests. I've yeah. never been overseas, so I don't know if they expect you not to have anybody, per se, since you're so far from home. But at home, or not at home, but in the States yeah. anyway, uh, you usually get one or two guests you could have come in. We'll see if it's possible. Oh, well, thank you. Cool. <laughs> Obviously, that was me being sort of a slightly cheeky, which I know is a British term, so you're going to have to look that one up. No, but, I know. Um, yeah, cheeky, yeah. But- <laughs> oh well that's all right then <laughs> so scott before you go did you want to give any of your social media or websites or anything like that so to help promote yourself uh great yes uh folks if you are so inclined and you want to check out what's going on with me scottschiaffo.com uh it's my full name also at facebook instagram and twitter i am terrible with twitter I don't keep up no, with it. No. I'm a big Facebook person, so I, I try with Twitter, but I'm not doing that great with it. I love Instagram, but I don't post that much. But I'm easy to find on the Internet. I do encourage people reaching out. And I want to thank you guys again for having me on and uh, giving me this time to share. Oh, you're uh, absolutely you. welcome. Thank yeah. you for coming on. It's been absolutely brilliant. Thank you, Scott. You got it. You got it. All right, guys. Okay. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna play you out with one last song. Okay. Like okay. I said, it's only thirty seconds. So oh, right, you're gonna play it forwards. Oh yeah, play it forwards. I wanna ride. So, <laughs> so yes, yeah, Scott. Welcome. Thank you very much again. <laughs> <laughs> you can escape the madness now if you'd like. Cheers, <laughs> <laughs> right, Scott. Okay, bye. 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 bye.